Okay, welcome to chapel. We, we gather in this room twice a week, Mondays and Wednesdays at 10, and together we spend time focusing on the person of Jesus. We, we sing songs, we offer songs of worship to him, we open the Bible, and we look at words that were written over 2,000 years ago, but are just as relevant and alive and active as they were when they were written. Now, again, if you're new to this, if you're perhaps new to our campus, I want to let you know that sometimes you'll come in and the room will be set up like this morning with a band and a speaker like myself. And in other mornings, it'll resemble more of like a TED talk. And we'll look together at a particular issue of civic engagement and and we'll strive to figure out how we serve and follow Jesus as people living in 2023. And let me just Let me just take a moment as the campus pastor and tell you that our heart at Central Christian College, our heart is that if you don't already, that you would come to know and follow Jesus. We believe strongly that Jesus loves each and every one of you, and his desire is that you would follow and surrender to him as your Lord, and that you would come to worship him as your Savior. We believe in Jesus. We believe that Jesus is a picture of what God is like because Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus, that God has given us his story, the Bible, this book that's full of poems and prophecy and stories of super flawed people, all of whom God loves and God uses to bring us back to him. We believe that Jesus was killed on a Roman cross and we believe that he left an empty tomb, and we believe that he rose from the dead, defeating death and sin, and and inviting us to live as a new kind of person, a new creation. We believe that following Jesus isn't just about what you do on Sunday morning, but it's about what you do every day. We believe that following Jesus is, is how we care for the marginalized and the outcast, the poor and the hungry, the prisoner, the orphan, the widow, the American, the immigrant. We believe that Jesus invites us to experience his kingdom now. And that someday we believe that Jesus will return and we won't escape this place, but his heaven, his kingdom will come here. It will be established right in the midst of this place because when he made the world, he said it is good. And people, people who know and have a relationship with Jesus will be there with Jesus forever in this new creation and people who don't know Jesus who have chosen not to follow him who have not submitted to his lordship that someday there will come a moment when they are separated from him in hell in our heart our heart at Central Christian College is that you would choose Jesus and the life he has for you this life we believe Jesus invites us to every day a life of freedom from sin and addiction freedom from having to please everyone and freedom to invite others to join you this is what we believe and if any time you want to know more about what this means please reach out to me in fact something new that we're starting this semester is a thing called the follow-up. And every Monday and Wednesday, the chapel days, from 11.30 to 1, I'll be over in the mud hole with my lunch. This will begin today, so from 11.30 to 1 in the mud hole. And if you're interested, you can grab your lunch in the calf. 
and come and join me if you want to talk more about chapel. Maybe you have questions, or maybe something a speaker said raised all kinds of questions, or maybe you didn't agree, and you're like, that person was like, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. By the way, it's okay not to agree with every speaker we bring in. Sometimes I do that intentionally. It's called being in college and being being given different points of view to how the world works. I don't even agree with everyone I bring in. But maybe, maybe you need some space to unpack these things and it's raised all sorts of questions. So every Monday and Wednesday, in the mud hole from 11.30 to 1, I'll be there for the follow-up. Come join me, all right? We tracking? Now, a little more nuts and bolts, the specifics. Again, this is like first chapel. This is the only time I have to do all this crazy stuff. The specifics. Chapel meets every Monday and Wednesday at 10. Unless you hear otherwise, because there are several times this semester where instead of meeting in here, you'll gather on your wings in your dorm for all campus small groups. But for the most part, you'll want to show up right here. Because for us here at Central Christian College, both of these chapels are priorities. Both gatherings are required. And we require these gatherings because, like there's a reason to it. We require them because it's essential to how we want to live together in community. For us, it's at the very center of being Christ-centered. It begins with these weekly gatherings. We as a community commit over and over to doing our best to grow in relationship with Jesus. And so this semester, we're asking that you show up on Monday and Wednesday mornings, and we're also giving you some room, some grace, some opportunities to choose for you to create a schedule that works for you. Because this semester, we're going to give you what are called chapel misses. And a chapel miss is where you choose not to attend a Monday or Wednesday gathering that week. And if you choose not to attend, you use one of your misses. In this semester, you'll have five of these misses. Now, after you reach three, after you've used three misses, you'll get an email from me. It'll say, hey, you're not in trouble. Just heads up, you've missed three. Are you okay? After you hit four, you'll get a similar kind of email from Kathy Brown. And if you go over five, it becomes a disciplinary issue. It's out of my hands. I have nothing to do with that. So we meet every Monday and Wednesday at 10. The only excused absences is if you're traveling with your team or if you have a doctor's note or if you've worked out some kind of arrangement with the student life office. This semester, you have five misses, and you can use them whenever you want. Everyone's still with me. We're dragging. Now, if you're a student at Central Christian College, our heart is for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Some of you may have come to this school, and if we're honest, you really want nothing to do with that. Jesus, church, God, Bible, etc., all that stuff, honestly, you don't care a whole lot. And if that's you, I need you to hear me. I see you. I'm so glad you're here. And my prayer is that you would experience Jesus in ways that completely transform your life. That's what this school did for me, and I hope it does the same for you. But I need you to understand that when you signed up to come to Central Christian College, you were signing up to participate in the spiritual formation elements of our community. Because we believe that Jesus wants the best 
possible life for you. And that starts with following and trusting him. So as a community, we commit to showing up twice a week and engaging in this time. When I say it means we commit to engaging in this time, it doesn't mean that we commit to just coming in and sitting down. It also means taking out our earbuds, putting down our phone, putting your homework away, opening your eyes so that you're not sleeping. It means not talking and distracting the people around you. It means that if we feel that while you may be physically present, that perhaps you are otherwise occupied with earbuds or a phone or homework or sleep, it's possible that you won't be counted present for the chapel that you are actually in. Presence is more than just physically being here. Are you with me? Are we tracking still? Now, during the break, while most of you were at home and some of you were here on campus playing ball, I had the opportunity to take some of you to the Passion Conference in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, this three-day conference that consists of speakers and, and music, well, for the students that went, it was an incredible time. And I think I speak for those students when I say, look, we want to go back next year. It's in Atlanta, and we'd love to take so many more students, and it's absolutely worth it. And so if you want to hear from them, and I can tell you who went, there's a handful of students from Central. Some of them happened to be from the Fort Worth area, and they were like with their own groups. And they were, so that was, it was so cool to like see Central students that were there, but like they didn't ride with me. And so, and for me, for me as like the campus pastor here, what was really fascinating was that as I looked at the group of college students from all over the country, we were in this room and there were, there were like 2,000 students there. And what I observed, what I noticed in other groups is the same thing that I noticed here at Central Christian College. What was crazy is that like 2,000 students were there and what I experienced there was just a larger version of what I experience every day on this campus as your pastor. And that's this. The majority of groups at Passion consisted of 98% females, 2% males. And you'd see these groups and there'd be like, 15 to 20 girls and like two dudes, which is good odds if you're one of those guys. But what I observed, what I observed was the same thing that I observe here. If I, if I was to divide this room into people who follow Jesus and people who don't, my observation has been that on this campus, the majority of people who demonstrate that they follow Jesus, female. The number of times, I can't even tell you the number of times in my own prayer life for you as a campus, when I have prayed, I have pleaded with God, God, where, where are the men of God on this campus? Where are the guys who are unashamedly following Jesus? I know there are a few of you here, but that's the thing, the number's a few. And coming back from the Passion Conference, I'll be honest and say that like my soul has been ignited and I'm not okay with just a few. And the more I've reflected on it, the more I've thought about our campus, the more I would argue 
that there's a difference. There's a difference between being a fan and being a follower. If you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. As you're doing that, I want to suggest this morning as we kick off a new semester that I think it's time for all of us in this room to have the DTR talk. Now, for those of you that might be unfamiliar with the DTR, by the way, how many knows what the DTR is? Like, we need to have a DTR. How many of you know exactly what the... Did I really? Like, Gen Z, you don't know that? That's crazy. So, DTR stands for define the relationship. And if you... Like, DTR, like, at least, I don't know, at least like three years ago, unless my lingo is off already, like, DT, it was like the talk. And some of you still have it because it's the official talk that takes place at some point in a relationship to determine the level of commitment where you decide, are we still just talking or is it more than just talking, whatever the crap just talking means. At some point in a relationship, someone will want to know, yo, where is this thing going? And they'll want to have the talk. They'll want to DTR. And so this morning, I would suggest that perhaps for all of us, we need to have a DTR with Jesus. So here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to put on your imagination caps. And I want you to imagine walking into a Starbucks or Kraft or wherever you get like a meal or a drink. I don't know, Buffalo Wild Wings. Like my Texas people, you have the benefit of torchies. So like maybe you go get the world's best queso. I don't know, wherever you're at. Don't, don't, don't at me right now. It's the world's best case, so don't argue. You walk into whatever establishment, and you find a seat at a small table. You take a sip of your drink. You enjoy a quiet few moments. And then imagine that you see Jesus coming toward you. He's making a beeline straight for your table, and he comes and he sits down across from you. Now, you're sort of unsure of what to say. So like in an awkward moment, you try to break the silence by asking him to like turn your drink into wine. And he like gives you a smirk and he reminds you of the code of character that you signed here at Central Christian College. And that you would never break that while you're still here as a student. And you realize that you haven't prayed for your meal. And so you decide to say your prayer out loud, hoping that Jesus will be impressed. And you start off good, strong even. But then you get nervous because you're praying in front of Jesus and you like use the word just a whole bunch of times. Like, I just pray that you just, maybe that you would just. And then like, before it gets too bad, you just quickly say, amen. And then before you have a chance to make things more awkward, Jesus skips past the small, small stuff and he gets right to the point. And he looks you in the eyes and he says, it's time we define this relationship. He wants to know how you feel about him. Is your relationship with Jesus exclusive? Is it, is it just a casual thing? Like maybe it's something on Sunday mornings that you do or like during a teen Devo or Bible study or like just during chapel. Is it a casual thing or have you moved past that? How would your relationship with Jesus be defined? What's your level of commitment? Because the truth is, is that Jesus would clearly define the kind of relationship he wants you to have with him. He wouldn't sugarcoat it or dress it up. He would tell you exactly what it means to follow him. 
Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So this small passage comes at the very end of this long sermon. And Jesus is winding down. And it's sort of like at the end, it's sort of like this, by the way. Jesus is like, by the way, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. So essentially, what's happening is that Jesus is warning people that there's a pattern that could emerge in their life. Jesus says, look, just because you say that I'm Lord, just because you say you've given me every area of your life, it doesn't make it true. You can, you can say it and not mean it. Jesus says, look, there's this other realm where, where things are as God intends them to be. He says, there's this realm where I have rule and complete control, this other kingdom, this kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, if you just pay me lip service, if you say I'm your Lord, if you, essentially if you say you will submit to me every ass area of your life, and then you don't, if you say it but your heart's not in it, he says, well, then you're never going to experience this other kingdom, this way you were created to live, this life to the fullest, this life that goes on forever and ever and ever, where there's no death, this life that goes on forever. Jesus says, Jesus says there are some of you, there are some of you that know the right things to say, but your life doesn't reflect any of those words. Then he gives a warning. He says, for a lot of you, there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day where you're going to have a big surprise. Because someday you're going to stand before me with your list of accomplishments and good deeds and your correct politics and your attendance at a Christian college and that prayer you prayed that one time. And you're going to be surprised. Because Jesus will say, look, there's a difference between knowing about me and knowing me. Jesus calls these people out and he says, look, you may say you're followers of me. But let's be honest and define this relationship. Jesus says, the truth is, is that some of you are not so much followers of me as you're, you're fans of me. Some of us, if we had to have a DTR moment with Jesus would discover that we're not so much followers of Jesus as we're fans of Jesus. Now, when I use the word fan, I'm defining the word fan as like an enthusiastic admirer. A fan is the guy who goes to the football game with no shirt and a painted chest. Right? He sits in the stand and he cheers for his team. It's the guy who's got a signed jersey on his wall at home and multiple bumper stickers on the back of his car. Listen, there are so many of you in this room that I'm a fan of. The Central Christian College teams, I'm a fan. I sit in the bleachers and I cheer you on every dunk or home run or goal or point. I'm a fan, but I'm never actually in the game. And some of you are like, praise God. I don't ever break a sweat there. I do it up here. I've never been... I've never been knocked down on an open field or taken a line drive in my body. I may know all about the players at Central Christian College. I can cheer your names and I can post sweet pictures of you on my social media while you're playing. I can get 
ticked off at refs that clearly weren't calling that game fair last week. I can yell and cheer, but nothing's required of me. I'm not actually on the team. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. A fan is the person who never misses the celebrity news shows where they keep tabs on their favorite musician or band. They're not in the band. There's someone who might know all about David Crowder, but they don't really know David Crowder. Now, don't see, I know David Crowder. That's like I'm in the band. That's not the point of that. Now, don't get me wrong. Fans can have passion. Man, fans can have passion. Believe me. Like, I turn into a different kind of person during March Madness. It's the only time of the year where my wife will tolerate my insanity. Like, I have to choose it all for like a one-month period. And I'm dragging multiple TVs and computer screens into our family room so I can watch all of the early round games at the same time. Isn't that the best? You ever watched all the games at once? Anybody else ever done that? Like, yeah? No? Oh, it's the best. And then you find out that you're, like, like there's games playing, but you were watching the wrong TV, and so you're missing plays because you're watching the Liberty Mutual commercial on the like nobody ever, and then like you turn off the TV at the end of the day and you like still heat, like feels like you're still watching basketball. Oh, it's like, it's the best. So much basketball till you get sick. It's awesome. But the reality is, again, I'm a fan. I'm simply an enthusiastic admirer. And again, I would argue that Jesus actually has a lot of fans these days. Fans who cheer for him when things are going well, who walk, but walk away when it gets difficult. Fans who sit safely in the stands cheering, but they don't know anything of the sacrifice and pain that it takes to actually be in the game. Fans of Jesus know all about him. They're quick to put a a bracelet on their wrists or post an inspirational quote of scripture to their social media, hashtag blessed. But they don't know him. They've gotten, they've, they haven't given him their lives. They've only given him some of their Instagram stories. You see, the problem is, is that Jesus isn't interested in fans. When Jesus defines what kind of relationship he wants, enthusiastic admirer isn't an option. In fact, he draws a line in the sand pretty harsh. And he says, you're either a follower or I don't know you. Is it possible that this whole Christianity thing has gone from being a sanctuary to being a stadium. That perhaps for some of us, we come in each week cheering for Jesus as fans, but with no real interest in actually following him. There are these, uh, there are these statistics that have been around for years. And the statistics say that between the ages of 18 to 25 years old, 85% of young adults will walk away from any kind of spiritual faith journey. So between the ages of 18 and 25, which congratulations is where all of you are. Um, if you grew up in church, 85% of you will leave it. 
And if you didn't grow up in church, well, you'll still want nothing to, to do with it. So 85% of college-age individuals will walk away from the best news ever and want nothing to do with it. And so if you've ever wondered how I get so worked up up here, if you've ever wondered how I can exert so much energy that I'm sweating by the end of 20 minutes, it's because of that. Because I know that unless something changes, 85% of you will turn your backs on Jesus and end up separated from God in hell. And yet we come in here and gather, and I'm fighting against the frustration of those of you that feel forced to be in here. And you're so disinterested that you put headphones on. You're not even subtle about it. I can hear your music. And so I stand up here looking out at a room full of people that I so desperately care about. And it's like, it's like for some of you, I see you laying on a set of railroad tracks and there's a train barreling down at you and you're completely unaware of it. But if you don't move, if you don't do something, it will lead to destruction. And so I get up and I plead with you to open your eyes. I plead with you to move and I don't have time to care about much else. I, I, I don't care if you're bored. There is a train coming towards you, and if you don't make a decision and move, it will affect you forever and ever and ever. We're tracking. What I could use, those of you who are hidden here, following Jesus, what I could use instead of more of, I didn't get anything out of it that morning, I could use more of you pleading with me and being so consistent in our proclamation of who Jesus is that if people in this room are going to be part of the 85%, then it's not going to be because Jesus wasn't preached here. And so as we jump back into this, Semester, I have questions. Is it possible? Is it possible that the reason 85% of you, statistically speaking, is it possible that 85, the reason that 85% of 18 to 25-year-olds quit following Jesus or never start is that because what we've been teaching and observing and promoting is being a fan of Jesus and not a follower. Look at our code of character. It's a thing each of you had to sign to be a student here at Central. And I'm going to boil it down. When you sign it, you're agreeing to some stuff while you're here as a student. So you're agreeing that you will pursue the institution's definition of sexual purity, which means no sex of any kind unless you're married, and you won't view or distribute pornography. You, you agree to abstain from alcohol and tobacco and gambling and illegal or recreational drugs. Like, that's it. That's essentially the thing. And while this is fine, it's a great way to order your life. It is completely possible to follow the Central Christian College code of character and still not be a follower of Jesus. You can be a fan of Jesus and maintain everything on that list. Good for you. And the problem 
is that a lot of times we'll look at students and we'll say, well, they're a great student. They model what we want at Central Christian College because they follow the code. And we've boiled it down to a particular morality. And what I'm saying is that if you leave this school and all you come away with is we want you to be a good person, if that's how we're measuring success, don't drink or have sex or smoke, we've missed it. We've missed the call of Jesus. The willingness to abstain from things, the desire to orient my life around this book is a fruit. It's an outcome of being a follower. It's a result of following Jesus. I don't abstain from sex outside of marriage because I don't want to get in trouble at Central. I do it because I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and I believe him when he says that he wants to give life to the fullest, and when I live outside of that life, it's actually destructive. And so I hold intimacy in the place he puts it within marriage. And I understand that my body is the place where God's spirit dwells, and so I work to avoid things that can become addictive because I want to honor Jesus. Listen, you signed to the code. It's your name on that line. You should follow it. That's your name. That's your word. It should mean something. But the truth is that it's 100% possible to follow our code of character to the letter and not be a follower of Jesus. What's not possible is to be a follower of Jesus and ignore the things on the code of character. Because those things absolutely line up with the kind of life that Jesus wants for us. To simply follow the code because you signed a document, those are the actions of a fan. Or to sign it and then proceed to do whatever you want because no one tells me what to do. First of all, those are the actions of a baby, but they're also the actions of a fan. A follower a follower has oriented their life around a whole different set of standards. Character by itself, and we're big on character here, character by itself without Jesus is just simply a morality. Character is fruit, and the fruit has to grow from somewhere. And as a follower of Jesus, the character of fruit grows from our understanding of who Jesus is and who he calls us to be. It has to be about more than simply good intentions. Good intentions don't make up a sincere faith. So here's what I'm saying. Following Jesus, following Jesus means you literally deny yourself. All of your wants and needs and desires are put up against Jesus' lordship and the, way Jesus, and the way of Jesus wins out every time. And you do this so much that eventually your wants and desires automatically conform to the way of Jesus. Look, carrying a cross is hard. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Because it's in carrying our cross that we discover that that's actually how we were created to live. In the scripture we read this morning, it tells us that there's going to come a day when you're going to stand in front of Jesus, every single day, you won't get out of it. 
You don't know when that day is, but there will be a day when you stand in front of Jesus. And my hope, my prayer, the reason I do what I do every single day of my life is that I want you to recognize that Jesus is who he says he is. My hope and prayer is that you will recognize that he will recognize you as a follower. Because my concern is that many, dare I say, the majority of us in this room are not there yet. But there's still time. Your story's not over yet. The train may be barreling toward the tracks at you, but there's still time to move. There's still time to move. So what's it going to be? As we begin the new semester, how do you want to be labeled? A fan or a follower? See, Jesus isn't interested in fans. You have a choice to make. So as the band leads us in worship, I'm going to invite you during this time to have some time with Jesus, to do some business with the Lord. Ask yourself how you want to spend this semester, but more importantly, ask yourself where you want to spend forever. Because there's going to come a day when you're going to stand in front of Jesus. And he's going to say, do you remember? Do you remember that day in Greer Auditorium during chapel and Pastor Zach said this? Why didn't you respond? So if perhaps you're ready this morning to get out of the stands and to get in the game, to move from being a fan to a follower to say yes to Jesus, if that's where you're at, I'm going to invite you to demonstrate that during this time. If you'd like to commit to being a follower of Jesus, I'd invite you to do that this morning as we sing together. I'll be down here. There are faculty and staff that are here who would love to pray with you this morning. I'm going to ask them to move to the sides in just a second just so you know that they're available for you. If that's the next step you want to take this morning, don't wait. Don't wait. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Don't wait. I know that there are people in this room. There are your friends. There are your classmates. There are your teammates who would love to see you take these important steps. So I want to invite you to stand together. And I'm going to pray with you as we prepare for this time. Would you stand? So God, I pray even now, I pray even now that you would remove distractive spirits in this room. Father, I pray for every person that resists the pull of your spirit that you would respond with love and with grace and with mercy and with the reminder that you are who you say you are. For every individual on the fence, for every individual who has tried it their own way and has tried to outrun you, God, I pray that you would move in profound ways this morning. As we sing, as we worship, Father, I pray that you would do a new work on this campus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said.